Let me ask you some flashcard questions. So, like, let's say uh, you're a manager at a coffee house franchise, like similar to a Starbucks or whatever, and uh, you work very hard. But the male executives at your office always ask you casually, like sexually harassy kind of questions, and they touch your hand, they touch your leg, they touch your arm, they ask you inappropriate things, and you work there for like ten years, okay?、Uh, but you never spoke out against it because you don't like to cause trouble. And as a result, all the other female managers at the company call you a pushover. What do you do? First, I need to ask: Are the people harassing me attractive? No. Ah, because that would be the solution for all of it. <laughs> oh my god! I know life is really a bitch. But usually, if like people are telling me I'm a pushover, I'm not going to push back. Like you know, I'm going to keep pushing. Oh, like you know. Why? Well, it feels like that's my character. I'm like, <laughs> okay, so you want to keep a consistent、um, character? Maybe I, I just like I should walk on like a slippery slope, you know, like like a street that is a bit like slippery, and then I I I, I walk in and I I flip over and I bump my head in the in the the floor on the floor, and then I just change my personality and I'm like, fuck you, vessels, and then I go and I. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. So when you said slippery slope, you meant like a literal slippery slope, like on yeah, a hill,、yeah. and、uh, you want to do like this、um, old rom com kind of trope where you bump your head and you. And then I change, change and then I go to to grab that lawyer. What is the lawyer that always like takes care of all the like sexual harassed women in the U.S.? Okay, that woman. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's yeah. famous.、Uh-huh. Anyway, I will. <laughs> I don't remember her name. I will grab her and we'll be like, you know. I will like do a thing. I will be like, "This company is horrible." <laughs> They, you know, and I will do it、yeah. on TV, and then bam, I own the company. So, um, your your solution is to fall on your head. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. So you're the same coffee house franchise manager lady,、mm-hmm. and you've been in a relationship with a man for a year now. But lately, he's been showing signs of boredom. And he's not that excited to see you anymore. He doesn't want to go on any trips with you. And then you find out that he's been two timing you with some other chick, and that chick turns out to be a colleague of yours from work. And she's one of the bitches who calls you a pushover. What do you do? Um, what do I? Do? I don't know. I feel like you know what? I feel like women always get the blame from for the guys making a bad decision. I feel like it's not Christina's fault. But she will get some, yeah. <laughs> and、um, I don't know if I want. I still want that guy back because he doesn't care. But you know, I have a thing for guys that don't care. So maybe I'm still very much in love with him. So I will.、Oh. Um, I will cut Christina. I will cut her. You will cut that bitch. Yeah, I will cut her. All right. So you're you're the same manager lady. All right, and、uh, you have a childhood best friend. Okay, you've known since you were children. She's the same age as you. She has a younger brother who is the same age as your younger brother, and they're best friends. And、uh, you, you guys are like family. Your parents know them. Your parents adore them. And then one day, you find yourself attracted to your best friend's younger brother, and he likes you too. Of course, he does. <laughs> Meanwhile. Your best friend, your parents, your brother—everybody thinks of one another as family. What do you do? 
Well, the important thing to remember in this case, we're not family. We can fuck. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but we will keep it a secret because that's sexy. <laughs> um, so the whole time you're together, you just be a secret? Yeah, we'll be like, uh, could you help me with the groceries? Let's go to the supermarket. Wink, wink. And uh, we fuck in the alley or something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's young. He, he likes to do that. I'm up for Oh, my it. God. <laughs> no. All right. Let's say your cell phone breaks and uh, your plan, your cell phone plan was written under your ex-boyfriend's name. And because your phone broke, you need to go to the mobile store with your ex. But your ex is still very much hung up on you. Okay. And so you're, I know it's fucked up because he's the one that was bored by you in the first place. But anyway, so your ex-boyfriend gets you in his car. But instead of driving to the cell phone place, he starts driving down a highway very fast and threatens to die together. And you don't have a phone. You don't have anything. You're trapped. What do you do? I will do the big. <laughs> you're being silly. <laughs> because that's how women dissipate crazy people. <laughs> I will be the big. You're being silly. <laughs> oh my God. It's that big. You're being so silly. And then I will. <laughs> So fucking sad. <laughs> and then we'll be like, hey, why don't we like listen to some records? And like we just put music. And I will be like, mm, I'm kinda hungry. Let's go to McDonald's or something. Um I'll tackle that. Is such, that is so the kind of answer you would give. Oh my god. I'm kinda hungry. Let's go to McDonald's or something. Meanwhile, you're being fucking kidnapped. You're being kidnapped by your crazy ex-boyfriend. And you're like, oh, you're being so silly. Let's go to McDonald's. Okay, but how I see it is like I can get a free meal from this. It's important. <laughs> and of all the meals, you're gonna choose McDonald's. Yeah, if if it's going to be a trash day, it's going to be a trash day. What can you? <laughs> what should I? Where should I go? I don't know. A fancy place? I don't think he will. You know, I think he's an asshole. He's not going to take me to a nice place. He wants to kill me. <laughs> he will yeah, be like my. When- when he wants to murder you, he's not going to take you to any other place but McDonald's. That's the best you can ask for. The Cheesecake Factory? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would love to go to the Cheesecake Factory as my last meal. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah, you can see yeah. the calories. That's not good. That's not good. They have Cheesecake Factory in Berlin? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the thing. Right. You tell him a restaurant doesn't exist, and we just, like, look for it <laughs> until he gets tired. <laughs> That's a better strategy. He's like, yes. You know what? I'm tired. I'm going to take you home. Let's keep this going another day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll try again tomorrow. Sure. We'll try to die together again tomorrow. All right. So you're in love with your best friend's younger brother. Okay. But your status obsessed mother, you know, there's always one. She's so obsessed with this. She completely rejects him. Okay. And she used to be like another mother to your boyfriend and your best friend because you guys are dating. She's saying all these horrible things to your friend and your boyfriend. And your mother starts showing up at your best friend's workplace and your boyfriend's house to convince them to break up. What do you do? <clears throat> what do I do? Um, it's my mom. Okay. I will try to set her up with someone. So, because this is what happens. When mothers don't get laid, 
God. They they have to bother your life. So you need to give them something. Or I will give them, you know the what cats do to play with like the little like what's the name of that? That thing. Cat toy? No, no, no. The thing that you do like a sweater. What's the name of this? Well, like the thing that you Oh, a, 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 yeah, a, um, a spool of wool, a yes. string of... Yes, I will give her that. Okay. And I will be like, mom, I really need a sweater. And maybe that keeps it busy. Wow. I love how uh, misogynistic <laughs> your your responses are. I'm pretty sure I'm hitting all the right <laughs> marks. <laughs> and she just doubles down on the misogyny. <laughs> Final question. So... You find out that your boyfriend took a job in the United States without consulting you, and then he asks you to quit your job and move to the United States with him. What do you do? What state? Uh, let's say New York. Huh. No. <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. I want to go to the ocean. I don't want to go to New York. It's a city. I saw one time a rat there, and I think that, okay. I will give you a feminist answer. Uh, no, I'm not going. Okay, why? Because <laughs> you I'm... can't think of anything because you're so misogynistic. You want to go? You know that my, my head was like, but you love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I, I will try to get me a, a boo, another another boo boo. I think I will try to to get my life. I will try to rip him off. Oh my god. Wait, so you're going to go to New York with him and then leave him and then find another man in New York? Yeah. Oh my god. And you like, know what? I think I will start sound up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks. Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host Grace Jung and class is now in session. Today, I'm going to talk about the show Something in the Rain. It's a 2018 drama that came out in the spring. Um, it also came out the same year that the uh, Me Too Korea movement was like full on happening. The show is uh, written by Kim Eun and uh, it's directed by An Pan Seok. The Korean title of Something in the Rain is Pap Chai Sajunun Yepun Nuna, or it could also be translated as the pretty Nuna who buys meals very often. Uh, if you don't know what Nuna means, it, it's it's how a younger male would address an older female between family and friends. I believe that this is Kim Eun's debut work. I could be wrong, but I believe it's her debut work because it's very hard to find information on this particular writer. And that could only mean that she's fairly new, but what an amazing debut. I thought this show was um, pretty much perfect. Yeah, it's very well written. The casting is supreme. Everybody's amazing on the show. The chemistry between Chung Hae-in and Son Ye-jin is like on point. Yeah, it's to the point where a friend of mine, <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't want to say his name, but he's a, let's say he's a, a gay libertarian living in New York. 
he's obsessed with uh, Son Yejin and Chung Hain, and he wants them to be dating in real life because he just finished watching the show. But uh, as we all know, Son Yejin is dating Hyunbin. All right, so there you go. I know that I said that Son Yejin and Hyunbin also have amazing chemistry on television, and that is true. All right, but it's also the case with Chung Hain and Son Yejin. All right, she's just that good of an actress. I guess Hyunbin and Chung Hain are also good actors. You know what I mean? Like if they could bring that kind of chemistry, but also chemistry, it can't be. It's not something you could always predict. It's not something you have control over. It's just there. If it's there, it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. Like I saw Son Yejin in another show and uh, she and her um, opposite co-star, male co-star, like they had zero chemistry, you know. Chung Hyun is an interesting actor. He started out somewhat late uh, relative to the others in the industry. He is a late bloomer. So he began his career in his like mid-20s, I think. Um, but what a great looking face. You know, if you've got a face like that, you have a good shot in the industry. And he's got this boyish, like boy crush quality to him. You know, he's like very reminiscent of like Ryan Gosling, you know, this eternal man boy type, uh, which is very attractive to many people. And the director of this show is An Pan Seok. He directed another show about an older woman romantically involved with a younger man. That show is called Secret Affair, starring Yoo Ah-in and Kim Hye. Um, that show is, uh, honestly, like, it wasn't that big of a scandal to me. I don't know. I guess I saw like too many other, I don't know, like, yeah, have you seen that movie Notes on a Scandal? Like, I read the book, I saw the film, so like, when I saw this show, I was like, oh. Like I wasn't that phased by it. When I saw Something in the Rain, I just figured that An Pan Seok had a thing for older women and younger men. But um, I think his directorial choices are more about finding screenplays that are radically transgressive, especially from the woman's perspective, right? I mean, that, you know, you would have to credit the female writers of these kinds of TV shows. But I think, um, you know, An Pan Seok's choices as a director... Um, I think they do kind of show that side as well. I, I think it, he enhances it. Um, he's a very stylistic director, I would say. Because uh, like when I was watching this, I was just like very struck by the realist style of it. You know what I'm saying? Like the screenplay is also somewhat realist in tone, but you know he could have made different choices as a director and like played up certain aspects but this is a very how do you say very quiet kind of tv show very subtle very nuanced um nothing is you know you don't have too many over-the-top moments really but of course you need some over-the-top moments here and there and and I'll, I'll talk about that soon something in the rain is about a young woman named china she works at a coffee franchise and she is from a middle class family very middle class and her father is a newly retired man, and her mom is a house mom, but she's very concerned with upward social mobility for her children. The Wikipedia page for Something in the Rain has this list of taboos, and there are no citations. It's just somebody went in there and wrote them out. One of the taboos that's listed is dating taboos. And I'm going to say something right now. An older woman with a younger man in Korea is absolutely not a taboo in Korea. All right. In fact, younger men, older women, like that was a trend, you know, starting like over 10 years ago, like since over a decade ago, that was a trend. So I'm not sure why this taboo is listed here. It's inaccurate. When it comes to trendiness and coolness, Korea will give anything. 
They'll give away its left nut to be a part of it or become a trendsetter themselves, all right? But it was taboo at one point in time for a younger man and an older woman to pursue a romantic relationship. It was looked down upon because, like, there was this... I don't know, there was this, like, mentality that, like, a man should be older to command a woman's respect and, you know, have this hierarchical, Confucian, patriarchal, social order or whatever the fuck. But uh, that all kind of disintegrated, you know? I I saw this show called See and See Again or Pogo to Pogo, like, years ago. That was, a, like, a long TV drama that... Um, that was popular in the in the 90s and in that show there was a younger man dating an older woman and that was like the way the show framed it it was like so unbelievable so unacceptable the couple ultimately broke up because the parents just couldn't accept this relationship but like I said that was in the 90s and in the, since the early 2000s like this radically changed I don't know what what set it off probably a celebrity who was just like i don't care i love him he loves me uh but yeah it's you see it everywhere today so i wouldn't call this a taboo in korea today it's definitely not but a taboo that was not listed on the wikipedia page is the incest taboo right like chunhee and kyungsun are brother and sister and kyungsun is china's best friend since childhood right and their parents, you know, Junie and Kyungsun's parents and Tina's parents, they all knew one another. They were family friends. But after Chunhee and Kyungsun's mother died and their father abandoned them to pursue a new family, Tina's parents helped them out a lot by bringing them panchan, being there for them whenever they could. You know, they would even say to them, like, you guys are like my, my, my other children, you know. So the taboo... Um, this incest taboo is really about shattering this family illusion. The illusion that between friends, a kinship can be established, right? But that kinship had to remain platonic. You couldn't go beyond that boundary. And this is what this couple is doing. You know, Chunhee, um, the way that the family understood it, they saw Chunhee as a younger brother to China. No different. They kept saying it, right? But of course, there's no blood mixing there, right? Ultimately, he's not family, right? And China's younger brother is also good friends with Chunhee because they're the same age. So, like, yeah, they, they had to sort of break the existing understanding of the relationship. And that's where this incest taboo comes in. They also know what China's mother is like, right? China's mom on Something in the Rain is played by Kim Mian. And the extremity of the mother's status obsession is unbelievably toxic and when i posted a clip with son yejin and um kim Mian playing mother and daughter on the show i posted it on tiktok and instagram some people commented and said how much they hate the mom they were like i hate the mom on the show and i felt like china's mother was crucial to this program for not only conflict purposes and keeping the story moving forward but also to reflect just how extreme Korea's misogyny is as well as the cruelty of capitalism in that regard China's mother as a character is she's invaluable to this program she is absolutely necessary China's mom wants China to marry a man who has good income a good family, meaning a family with titles, you know, like su successful people, people who are doctors, people who graduate a Seoul National, blah, 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 you know, the works. But, and, and she feels like the only way for her daughter to live a stable and happy life is to marry into a family like this. And this rationale 
behind this thinking makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I feel like this kind of obsession stems from her own sense of powerlessness in a society that disrespects women time and time again and uses men, only men, as agents of power in that society. So if you think about it, China's mom as a character is very much a part of the feminist critique that this show has. In fact, she is like the heart of that critique. And of course, Gina goes through her own challenges working at this coffee franchise where in the office, everybody regards her as the quote unquote tambourine girl, because whenever they go to Hueshik, meaning, you know, it's like the company dinner and after company dinner, they all get drunk and they go to a karaoke bar. Right. And in places like that, in those settings, men are always sexually harassing the women. You know, the subordinate women saying, calling them over, telling them, pour me a drink, flip the meat over, you know, while they're sitting there, they touch, they grope them. It's like it happens all the time, right? Like when they're at karaoke bars, like they want to sing and dance a little close to the women. A Hishik setting, according to this show, is an excuse for men to harass women. Another theme of taboo that the Wikipedia page on Something in the Rain mentions is familial taboo. People without parents seen as unfit, quote unquote, for marriage. This requires some explanation, okay? I'm not sure if people without parents are seen as unfit for marriage, per se, in Korean society. I think it goes a little bit more beyond that. People without parents um, or orphans or, quote unquote, people who come from, quote unquote, a broken home are seen as defective in that culture and society. It's seen as a sort of social disability. There's this really great book on disability in South Korea called Curative Violence written by Eun Jung Kim. And Kim goes into how South Korea saw itself as a disabled nation right after colonization and the civil war and all the poverty plaguing the country. But once the country stabilized politically and economically, all the efforts went into quote unquote curing any visibly disabled people, okay? Uh, the nation was obsessed with the need to be quote-unquote perfect or appear quote-unquote flawless. And this need stems from trauma and insecurity, seeing as South Korea was incredibly unstable not too far long ago. And they want to erase this memory you know, erase this, you know, it's like that out damn spot kind of scenario, you know, they want to just erase any form of disability, right? And that, that need feels very urgent to them. So this is why people with disabilities in Korea suffer a lot of discrimination. And many people with disability, the activists of disability communities say that all therapy that is offered in Korea is incredibly microaggressive and biased because they all emphasize improvement, right? Improvement therapy, rather than just accepting people with disabilities for who they are. And um, that is the, the problem here, too. That sort of bias that China's mother has, while saying that Chuni is unacceptable as a son-in-law because he comes from a family with a broken home, with a dead mother and a philandering father. And you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't really make any sense. Right. Again, this is an absurd sort of paranoia because Chun-hee is not his father. Right. But um, yeah, it has to. I think this kind of uh, 
bias or discrimination stems from the whole paranoia over disability or being seen as somebody with a disability or whatever. So this is, in, in some sense, you could you could look at the way China's mom reacts to um, her daughter dating Chunhee, um, who comes from, again, quote unquote, a broken home. You could see that as an extension of um, ableism. I don't know if that works. Maybe that works. Maybe that doesn't, but I don't care. I'm going to say it anyway. I think uh, An Panseok likes working with an ensemble cast, uh, the writer of this show. Uh, Kimun, she also wrote One Spring Night, which came out not too long after the success of Something in the Rain. Um, and they used pretty much the same exact people. The only person they swapped out was uh, Son Yijin for another actress. But Chung Hee is in it. Like every like the mom and the moms and dads, like everybody is <laughs> reinserted back into one spring night. Um, they also like reuse Rachel Yamagata's music for the soundtrack. And I love the the tone, the stylistic the style and tone of something in the rain, the high emphasis on realism. And uh, this is something I'm working on currently as a paper. So once I write the paper, I don't know, you guys can read it at some point. Um but I talk about some of it with today's guest. Today's guest is Chiyun An. She is a professor. I mean, she was one of the few people that I saw at the uh, Korean Screen Cultures Conference a couple of years ago. Um, she's one of the very few people who was writing about Korean dramas. And I found it very refreshing because everybody else at that conference were focusing on cinema. And she wrote this really um, great paper this article that's in um anthology i suppose but uh she essentially wrote about genre hybridity in k-dramas and sort of the i don't know like the the, the sci-fi stuff the fantasy stuff and like the significance of that and in the korean context so if you want to check that out it's out there um she went to i believe university of cambridge got her phd in east asian studies she studied uh film and media before that though for her masters and yeah i mean she's she's a, a korean london diaspora and she's like i think she's the only one i know like the, the only english uh korean that i know um i only know korean americans besides but yeah, her research is very, very interesting. She's a lot of fun to talk to. Um, I I love her work. Uh, and she's a big fan of this show. So, um, yeah, we talk about the show and, and a bunch of other things. So, yeah, get into it. <laughs> Amazing that you do this. You're so active. <laughs> I mean, I said this before, but you do so many things. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's to pass the time. You know, it's to pass life. Most people pass the time just watching TV, you know? Oh, I do that a lot too. Trust me. I watch <laughs> a lot of TV. Um, so like, were you, did you, Im like, did your parents immigrate there? Did you immigrate there? Were you born in the UK? Like, I was born in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, and my, we have a really typical kind of, British Korean history. So mm. unlike the US, the history is a bit shorter, right? Okay. Um, so most British Koreans you'll meet are like us, where the parents got sent over as Chujewon from a company, ah. right? Like their fathers were working for yeah. a company, they got sent over sure. and then they decided to stay 
So mm. that's what happened with my case. Um, most of the people who came to UK in the 90s are, have that storyline. Mm. Um, and I think that's when you really get a big kind of Korean population. Before mm -hmm. 90s, it's going to be the rare kind of people who were there for studying or mm -hmm. were already in Europe somehow for work and they somehow, you know, decided to settle down in the UK, etc. So it's not, you don't see many of those families. Mm -hmm. um, but my husband's family is actually one of those families. So he was, um, his uncle and aunt had been living in like Europe for a while. And so they're like one of, I think, quite an early immigrant, you would say, from the 80s, mm -hmm. um, late 70s. Uh, yeah. We came in the 90s and I've been in England yeah, since then. And then my dad kind of started his own business. So he decided to stay behind, not yeah. go back to Korea, etc. That's cool. What part of the UK did you grow up in? In London, again, very typical. <laughs> so most Korean, um, like British Koreans you'll meet are yeah. all from London. Oh, uh, nice. Like, mostly. And they're all from like uh, this one little suburban town in London really? called New Malden. They oh, all wow. like, gather there. Because like I said, they were all Trujillans, right? Ah, so, so the companies bought mm. their houses there because that I was see. a cheap place in London um, originally. Ah. So that's where people gathered. And then when they decided to stay behind, they yeah. looked around the area so that's sure. where the supermarket and kind of k-town grew nice that's um, amazing yeah, yeah i love that i love that because <laughs> um in the u.s like koreans are quite scattered you know yeah um although they are like concentrated on the coasts like california mm -hmm. new york you would still find them in like the midwest you know like indiana mm -hmm. and like minnesota wisconsin like you would find pockets of koreans like all, scattered across the united mm -hmm. states um and when i encounter them like like texan koreans you know i'm like whoa oh, there are loads of texan koreans right yeah. <laughs> i met a few at conferences <laughs> yeah i'm um, just like wow texas yeah. you know but oh that's cool and i'm so surprised because they often have a long history so like they're mm -hmm. like third generation or something and i'm like yeah. wow <laughs> yeah especially in like hawaii yeah. you know um mm. it's like many generations of uh hawaiian koreans i guess since like yising man maybe you mm, know mm -hmm. since like he was exiled oh, yeah, I over saw, there i saw this brilliant documentary i don't know if you saw it called heron hmm. Hero, Hero, um Hero, about okay. korean cubans oh. um about this one Korean Cuban who was like really high up in the Cuban kind of communist party oh um and about how his family like ended up in Cuba they were sent to Hawaii like Mexico it's about that immigration before was he like, from the north you know, several um I mean it's he was born in Cuba so I think his oh, father was the one who moved Cuba. to Cuba oh, um but it's amazing. we're talking like early 1900s so it's really really fascinating oh history. so it's like and before it's like modern fourth yeah. fifth generation now Cuban Korean family oh, wow. and they, he's already died the the protagonist of this um, sure protagonist would you say yeah um but it's yeah. really fascinating yeah. that is really fascinating that's amazing yeah, I just didn't know right yeah that, Korean Cubans in Cuba who knew that he was really like high up in the Cuban like communist party? That's what I'm saying, you know? Koreans get around, you know? Yeah, like he's got photos with the Che Guevara. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. No, what I think is going on? It's because uh, Korea is like a peninsula. And they could just hop on a boat and just go places, mm. maybe. You know, maybe that's how yeah. they got around. Or um, They were cheap laborers, right? During sure. The time yes. Yes. Laboring, if not 
slaving away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I this. think they actually in the documentary they said we were slaves. That's yeah. like the words they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. were sold as slaves. We yeah. were treated as slaves. Yeah. Koreans have always had a little bit of that enslavement somewhere yeah. in their history mm. at some point yeah um that's so interesting yeah koreans like i said they, they're scattered yeah not just in the u.s there are a lot of latin american koreans like mm. um like i met like like a francisco once like i was like what um he's like yeah like his name is francisco or like fernando or something but yeah he was like <laughs> latin america he was like from argentina there's like uh -huh. a lot of art like argentine yeah koreans yeah. too yeah. um yeah and it's like it's interesting so you you um studied korean literature or history or korean studies like what was your um, degree in sure i did actually my undergrad was in music so i start oh. from like the pure humanities in a sense yes. um and in the near the end of my degree i was very lucky to kind of find a supervisor who realized i do not like music <laughs> and that all my essays were on operas and only looking at the visual of the stage and kind of the narrative without looking at the music and he was like you should study film studies you shouldn't be in music mm -hmm. and so he kind of sent me on that path so I did a master's in film studies mm -hmm. and then from there I got into Korean cinema and did my PhD at the same university which ended up being I think quite a fatal mistake in hindsight because there was no film studies department so I had to go to East Asian studies to study Korean cinema right but that meant that I really changed my discipline and I had to kind of learn East Asian history and now I would say I'm more like a Asian studies scholar than a film studies scholar so sure I think that was the transition yeah, yeah. it's funny how that happens like I was lucky in the sense that you know I'm at UCLA and it's like cinema media studies, of course, it's very, you know, Euro American Eurocentric, but uh, they're okay with me just trying, like with all of us trying on our own things. In fact, they welcome mm -hmm. it. They're like, please diversify our shit because we're ashamed mm -hmm. of how white it is. You know, but that's fact, so great. Yeah, yeah. They have a course, and I think I told you this, they have a course called Asian, African, and Latin American Cinema. <laughs> They dumped it all together. Basically. All three continents in one fucking class. And I was just yeah. like, wow, 10 weeks, so, really? You know? So they were like, we need to do something on like something not white. Let's lump it all together. In all one of course. it. All the, all the people of color. One, one class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just like, this is shameful. But um, yeah, uh, I took, I think, one class like in the Korean studies program. And I took it with Nam Hee Lee, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was it was really enriching. I'm glad I took that course because it set a certain foundation for me, mm -hmm. and um, like I read certain texts that I never would have read otherwise, mm -hmm. and um, you know certain histories I wait. What's your background? Oh, so I studied uh, English lit as an undergrad. Okay, it was uh -huh. in English literature and philosophy. But although I was in the English department, I didn't really like English literature. So I studied like, <laughs> yeah, like a lot of European modernists and stuff. Uh -huh. um, and then I took an independent study with the poet in residence, Charles North, who is like a mentor teacher to me. And he, he encouraged me to just study like Korean literature on my own. And so I was like, okay, well, since I'm studying a lot of European modernists, why don't I study some Korean modernists? So that's when I started like reading like 
you know, like Yi Sang and like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, those guys. So, uh, yeah, and then I started translating some poetry mm-hmm. and, and then I eventually started translating like novels and short stories. Oh, wow. So I started doing translation stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then it, so for my really master's. you have a literature background. Technically, yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, um, yeah, that's where the analysis comes in, right? Like the training and uh-huh. analysis. That's where cinema media studies mm-hmm. comes from, of course. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, and then, um, and then I worked. Well, I did a, I did a year in Korea in Seoul right after undergrad. I did a, a Fulbright at Yonsei for a one year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got back to New York, I was just kind of like doing all kinds of like internships and part-time jobs and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I worked in film distribution for a little bit. And then I went to, and then I came to LA for mm-hmm. my master's mm-hmm. in cinema media studies. And now my PhD in cinema mm-hmm. media studies, which I'm just about wrapping up. Um, yeah. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, <clears throat> okay. So you're not a Koreanist per se, then you're actually trained in know. cinema studies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I sort of feel like I have become more of a Koreanist now, especially because mm. after the PhD, I think it depends on where you get your first position, right? Sure. Um, right. Because I've been in a full Korean studies department now. I like literally teach and read only shit about Korea. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, beyond culture now, I'm like, I've taught Korean politics, sociology, wow. like history, all decades. And so I feel like I've really become a Koreanist now, more through the training after the PhD than yeah. through the PhD itself. Astrology really... too? Sociology. Oh, so did you say astrology? <laughs> sociology. Oh my god. I was like Korean astrology. astrology. I was like fascinated. I was like, oh my gosh, she studied that what and taught Korean, Korean astrology. astrology? <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking like maybe like like Mudang stuff, you know? Like <laughs> like you're reading the you know students that would be you? so popular with students. Though. It would be. They'd be all it over would be that. So popular. There's they this would literally love it. Yeah, there's this uh Mudang in New York. Um, uh-huh. she's Korean, I guess Korean American, but she's more Korean uh-huh. than American, if you know what I mean. And she's a budang. She's a budang, and like um, a lot of Korean scholars actually go to her for readings. And but she um, works in New York. She works in New York. Yep, yep. And uh, she, like, I, I hired her for like a saju reading for 2021, mm-hmm. and uh, it was like 30 bucks. I was like, sure, that's money well spent. Yeah, I know. I'll put you in touch with her. Is it good? Uh, it was like. It was like to? it was better than just looking shit up on the internet. I'll put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know but what I mean. Do that anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all kind of come on. Whenever yeah, shit hits yeah. the fan, we're just like, "What's going on with the stars right now?" You know. Mm-hmm. But like, I wanted to just get it from like a professional, you know. And uh, yeah, she gives <laughs> she gives readings. Yeah, and she also That's does so like funny. yeah, she also does like kut rituals, and she. Um, oh wow! That's proper. She's full on. I'll send you her her link. Her I'm name's... surprised there are like clients yeah. in New York. She has a lot. She has a big clientele. Well, I mean, you know, really? just think about like, like, like I said, Americans are you know Americans and, um, like horoscopes are popular anyway, and yeah. tarot readings are popular anyway. But like, yeah. let's say you attach that with some kind of ethnic indigeneity, they're gonna be <laughs> all over that shit. That is like the easiest, th- <laughs> easiest shit to sell. So I was like, she's like genius. Marketing. Yes, I was like, she's That's brilliant. So funny. She's brilliant, you know. Oh. Rather than being like, you know, like trying to come off as some hokey pokey fortune teller, imagine right, being right. saying like, I am a, I'm an ordained shaman. Right. Whoa. Right. 
<laughs> They'd pay big money for that. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, her name is Jen. I love when you Jen. go to yeah. a professional yeah. and then I look up like L magazine horoscopes, <laughs> you know. Such a, such a comparison here in the standards. No, no. We I do all of it. I do all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do that too. But yeah, she's great. Um yeah, she's great. I think you and I are the same um uh year, right? Your oh, year yeah. of the rabbit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm here of the rabbit as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I heard That's that. That's quite rare to meet someone like yeah. exactly the same age at a conference. I know, I know, rare. I know. Um, yeah, I once met somebody who was born the same year, same month, same day. I was like, whoa! <laughs> at an academic conference. <laughs> yeah, he was a part of my program. Yeah, at oh, my wow. school. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> Wow, like, that's quite intense. Yeah, I was like this is too much. Just keep some yeah. distance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want. But then to... you know, technically, yeah. the time is different, so your fates are different. You know, according to astrology, a hundred percent. Time is everything. And also, I was born in Korea, which is mm-hmm. you know faster in terms of time. Yes. Um, so there's all these differences. But okay, yeah. So, but I did hear that um, year 2021 is going to be good for um, year of the rabbit people. Oh, so. I dear fucking hope so. Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, I fucking you're curse like edit it all out, right? five yeah. fucking times. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cursing's fine on oh, podcasts. I bloody hope yeah. so. 2020 was so difficult. <laughs> I'm like, I, I definitely need something in my life to change right now. <laughs> no more of yeah. this. It is awful. Um, but I mean, but you, you get to teach right now. I mean, I think that's great. And were you teaching, uh, you were teaching a TV studies class or trying to teach TV studies? I want to. So um, if I next get a chance, I'm going to try to. So I usually teach um, mostly undergrads, but sometimes I do a master's course. Nice. Um, but I normally do a second semester undergrad. So that's like the first year. Sure. And then the third semester, so the second year. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first year, I normally do introduction to Korean cinema, which is quite uh-huh. popular, basic, you know, stu- mm-hmm. students like it. Right. But I want to replace that with something like, Korean society through K-drama or something mm. to do with K-drama where we look at kind of social issues, but also yes. not only through, but also the relationship between TV and society, etc. Right. So I want to do that, but I just didn't have time to do a whole new syllabus this year. So I just did introduction to Korean cinema again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then next year, hopefully for yeah. this, um, I'll have time to. Yeah. yeah. I would say do K-drama. it. Um, it's my first time teaching this course. Uh, I'm teaching an undergraduate seminar right now on Korean television. And, mm. um, you know, I, I remember because like, again, with the Koreanists at UCLA, I remember asking them, I was like, do you guys teach a Korean studies class? Mm. I mean, I mean, a Korean television studies class. And they're like, mm. no, we do K-pop and we do Korean cinema. And both of them mm-hmm. pack out like the students like mm-hmm. totally enroll fast. And I was like, okay, yeah. so no TV. They're like, yeah, we don't know anything about Korean TV. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's the uh, problem. The academics don't watch enough TV. <laughs> here's the thing. You and I both know academics watch a lot of fucking TV. And those oh, bitches don't want to, they don't want to fucking admit it. They don't want to admit that they watch it and that they like it. Okay. Um, they're so stuck oh, up. I, love that. I remember when we were at Helsinki at that conference, the Korean Screen Cultures uh-huh. Conference, uh, which is a great conference for all Koreanists who do screen studies. Uh, like, I loved your presentation because it was about Korean dramas and, you know, it was fun. You know, like I was like alert uh-huh. and engaged. Uh-huh. I still remember the emoticons that you had. You you had like, um, oh, it, it was, was the not... Pogo there. 
Mm-hmm. It uh, was like a mm-hmm. storytelling mode or something, and then and then you had like right. smiley face or sad face, like with oh. endings. <laughs> And I was like, yes, yes, this is what I want to see in journals. I want to see these things. In and then, journals? Oh, yes. you take it one step too far, girl. Because <laughs> I'm an American. Yes, I take it all the way. And I was just like sitting in there and I was like, I'm alert. Everybody's engaged. Like everybody was like smiling kind of and mm-hmm. like listening and they wanted to chat. Like it lightened things up. And, um, and I was just like, why don't people, you know, just... Why don't they want to go here? Why don't they want to go here? Yeah. They always need to make it boring and dry in order for it to yeah. feel like legitimate academia, but it doesn't have to be that way. But at you all. know, when I've, I have, I don't often do K drama. Well, I so far I hadn't, but I want to. But when mm. I do, one of the questions I always get, which is so stupid and so like demeaning, is mm-hmm. when do you have time to watch all these shows? <laughs> and I'm like, how can you not? Also, like, uh, like you don't watch hours watching TV. I'm they sorry. Do. I'm very insulted by this question. You right should now. be insulted because when um, we watch films or like one, I don't know, director's whole collection, we don't say, "Oh, when did you have time to watch all exactly. these like, films?" Yeah, when did yeah. you have time to watch ten of Cassavetti's movies? You know, yeah. <laughs> or. When did you have the wherewithal? Like, did you have to build endurance before you sat through that Bella Tarr movie? <laughs> you know, like, we don't question that. But uh, when it comes to television, I mean, it's like, you know, you studied cinema studies, so you would know this. But like, you know, TV's always been gendered as female. And it's been mm-hmm. um, discriminated against since the dawn of television, practically, you know, mm-hmm. from the film industry, yeah. because they felt yeah. threatened. <laughs> by television come on you know and that the fact that that uh fear that insecurity exists to this day is so silly it's so silly it's all it's all to do with the capitalism basically it's the industry's fight and yes the people's kind of perception they moralized it yeah they moralized it as like film is moral tv is immoral it rots the brain i'm like they're the same dude it's just Yeah, they're exactly actually, the same. I would go a step further and say nowadays TV is more innovative because, mm-hmm. you know, cinema is so polarizing now. You get the big blockbusters or you get like these indie films that don't get distributed as much. And so exactly. actually so much of the really artistic things are developing now that middle ground is TV. Yes. So we cannot have this division. But we I can't. think with K-drama, we do yeah. not have that middle ground, right? It's still mm. cheap. It's seen as cheap entertainment really um yeah I, I, that's what i think that's yeah. why people say oh you do k-drama they look down on you they're like it's low art you know? <laughs> oh but you do cinema that's higher <laughs> but not as high as literature <laughs> oh you do pre-modern literature that's the yeah. highest you know? yeah, yeah yeah it's like the ranking no, and the thing is like i kind of still have that prudish quality to me you know like i do have that prude sensibility because again i come from a literature background and you know i worked in film distribution i worked in film production so i do have this prudish um that that's that discrimination is built into me but the fact is as you say like television is it's very it's like very there's a spectrum there's a range it's very varied and um you know like john caldwell who's at our school he wrote that great book televisuality and he's just like are you gonna sit here and tell me that you don't see postmodernism in 1980s television you know mm-hmm. which you do like you see avant-garde in television mm-hmm. there's a lot of experimental um 
you know, elements in television. And it's just like, oh, okay, if you think of it this way, it's just a mo matter of shifting yeah. your mode of thinking. Yeah. And then it's like a whole yeah. field. Yeah. Or like looking without kind of the previous lens of discrimination, you know, or prejudice. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it's hard to it's hard to do that, I think, because we've been brought up on it, you know, like, yeah, it, even in my Korean uh, TV studies class, I asked them, I was like, how many of you have heard this phrase, um, TV rots the brain or TV's trash? And they were all like, you know, oh, and I, I haven't asked heard them, that phrase. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. They're like, oh, you, you haven't heard like, oh, don't watch too much TV. It'll fuck up your brain or you haven't heard that. I haven't heard that. I guess really? my mother was a screen addict, so she we would just watch <laughs> TV together growing up. Uh, this see, is the origin of K drama for me. <laughs> interesting. See, because that's also the origin of K drama for me, and a lot of for a lot of people, for the most part, uh, yeah. our mothers were our first tastemakers, right? But like, even though she watched a lot of fucking television, she still said, "You're watching too much TV." I'm like, uh, "Bitch, you're watching too much TV. Like, don't." <laughs> Yeah. Don't come at me. I'm I'm just here next to you while you're watching uh -huh. too much, too much TV. Right, right. Um, no, but I brought that up because uh, in like in America, um, you know, like Newton Minow said, uh, TV is a vast wasteland. He said this like, you know, when television was first starting to like enter homes and like really proliferate. And um, that started this like discrimination, like, you know, sort of cemented that discrimination as tv as being trash and then in korea too in like 1968 so this is like recent history that i'm like reading on i have like a bunch of textbooks and i'm like you know re going through them for lectures and stuff week by week but in 1968 there was a professor in korea who said um like tv if tv's crass tv's crude and lowbrow and if our children watch it they will in turn become crude crass and lowbrow <laughs> so fine. yeah and that's like very much in sync with what like newton minow mm -hmm. said and mm -hmm. um again this this uh cemented stereotype that we have to this day is like they were just afraid of screens invading the home and people having less time to sit and talk with their family members or sit right. and read a book as you say. But what's funny is that that's such a myth, especially of America or kind of the Western cultures of sitting mm -hmm. together and eating or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the dining together, not so much. But, you know, mm. when you really think about Korean history, mm. I don't know how much that is a reality of 1950s, 60s Korea. It's more like mm. the myth that was seen through the films <laughs> of 1950s from Hollywood that they saw and they think family life, middle class family life should be about sitting together. Right. Wife is dressed up in the apron yeah. and, you know, not TV, but having spending time together yes. like this. And Yes, sitting know. down, saying grace having chicken pot pie or Same. something gross for dinner you know <laughs> <laughs> like the korean interpretation or understanding of culture in the west is channeled through films and and television right like mm. i was re-watching that old school drama i think came out in like 2003 or 4 uh all in do you remember that oh With my god yeah Byung-hun and song Hye-kyo when she was super oh young oh my god yeah <laughs> I, I have not this. seen it since 2000 whenever it got, came <laughs> yeah. out, so I cannot remember it properly. But all I remember is someone dies at the end, right? It's that, that era when everyone died at the end, right? A the lot of people die. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, the protagonists live. It's a happy ending. But, oh, it's a um, happy ending. A lot of people do oh. die because there are a lot of gangsters um, from in that, in that show. And uh, 
Like one of the gang bosses tells his stooge to watch The Godfather. Like he, he <laughs> literally、none. says, "He's like, I watched The Godfather like twenty times. Like, Have you seen、so、it?"、Proud. And the stooge is like, "No." He's like. You should watch it. Like that teaches you everything. It teaches you how to be a gangster. It teaches you how to threaten people. You know, I'm just <laughs> like, God damn. And but that's how it's that's how it is for a lot of、um, you know non-Western cultures. I think you know, like、yeah. even in that documentary, the act of killing,、uh, like these Indonesian gangsters and thugs learned how to kill and murder by watching.、Mm-hmm. Gangster cinema from Hollywood, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then、um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's very fascinating to learn. Yes,、oh, wow. Yes, this whole notion of like simulation or right, you know, right, imitation, all of that. Right.、Yeah. Oh wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I like what you say about、um, like yeah, because Koreans like fucking like it's gender segregated. You know, like the women have to sit with the kids and eat. <laughs> Separate mm-hmm, tables mm-hmm, from the men、mm-hmm. and the fathers and uncles and dads or whatever,、um, and like the women, in fact, they eat way later because they're too busy、yeah. cooking and feeding everybody. You know, like、yeah. even my mom, like whenever、um, we had some kind, like we had guests over for dinner, she would be the last to eat. Yeah, yeah, she would. This is so st- typical, right? Yes,、yeah. standing and cooking till the end、yeah. of. The whole event, <laughs> yeah.、Know? But I love this idea of a family meal because how many fathers come home for dinner in time?、Uh-huh. You know, it's like the Korean concept is for me the way、yes. I, you know, see the Korean culture. Not just now, but like when we talk about like sixties, seventies, you know, in these films, yes, in the Korean films of the fifties, they show these family meals. I'm like, how many of you guys, <laughs> like the people in the cinema, actually had family meals? This is like、right. a concept you've adopted from Western、yeah. screens. Yeah, and there's a, a like a romanticism associated with、yeah. it, perhaps. Yeah, you know, maybe it's like a longing or a hope or、um, even like an ideal that they have, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you. It's it's quite old now, but I still use it a lot in my teachings. Changyong Sub's Compressed Modernity.、Mm. Oh yeah.、Um, yeah. But the chapter on accidental pluralism of family ideologies, I、mm-hmm. I find that one so. Good for undergrads to understand that kind of idea that it's adopted ideology, yes, and then we talk about it through screen, yes,、um, because they one of the ideologies that he mentions is the affectionate one, which is he says from nineteen fifties Hollywood films that it really proliferated this ideology of family、right. being a place of conjugal like、yeah. love and all this,、yeah. um, but that's really useful in teaching I find because then students kind of because dif- if you just explain the complexity to students, I、mm-hmm. found they're always like, oh, I don't know if I get、yeah. it. Too much,、yeah. blah blah blah, and、yeah. then he gives you these like labels, and then they're like, "Okay, I understand. We've got the、yes. labels." Yes, <laughs> and that's why. Yeah. yeah, that's why sociologists are helpful in that sense. Yeah, you know? they give <laughs>、yeah. you terms. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they define it, you know. Yeah, yeah. they define it,、yeah. but they don't give you any、um, resolution. They're just like, no, no, just no, categor- that's not their job. <laughs> just categorize it here. Here is the list, the Rolodex is like, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I've seen, and I've called it this, and I've defined it like this. Yes, and then students are like, so according to this, <laughs> <you know? laughs> they just repeat it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, this is defined as this, and therefore we can see. <laughs> you know? Some of the students, especially if they're like. If they were raised Korean, you know, there's、yeah. a lot of Korean、um, UCLA、oh, students,、wow. and、mm-hmm. you know, they have the sense of like superiority over the material, you know, and the culture,、mm-hmm, which is、mm-hmm. completely understandable,、uh, right. and they、mm-hmm. and they have the right to. However,、yeah. um, it's like I, 
I'm not asking for like a personal essay, like a page out of their diary, you know, but that's, <laughs> is that what they give? That's kind of what's happening. Yeah. It's like, oh, like my mom, yeah. this, like my family members, that, and I'm like, okay, oh, that's wow. all fine. You can integrate that, but try and analyze it critically right. and, um, do the assignment that's on the prompt. Right, like, right. Yeah. yeah try and answer this but this but it's is a hard. trend with undergrads right they're so personal in their like writing as mm. well i think in their approach yeah yeah but yeah. i actually don't allow those kind of personal mm. i don't allow that tone actually i'm really strict with the tone because i once had this class where it was actually like it was like reading a diary and i was like i'm not wasting my time reading your diary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole point is a review of the article and you're just telling me your like views on the topic not even what's discussed in the article yes yeah. I've, i'm really strict i say like i want a like academic paper even if it's just one page yes. it has to have a structure intro yes. argument like yes and then that kind of weeds out that kind of writing but... yeah yeah maybe i should consider that but i i mean i want to get them to like be able to do that because like my thinking is so maybe mm -hmm. they just don't know how to you know right um and even though i have the prompt and i'm like just answer these questions here like right they still kind of stray from it because maybe uh -huh. it's like it's like tv and korean drama was like this like leisurely thing for them a leisurely mm -hmm. activity and it was a vice activity perhaps and now it's like suddenly got this rigidity associated with like reading mm. um critical analyses and re mm -hmm. reading um historical context and whatnot and they're just not able to meld those two worlds but i'm just like yeah i'm like how do i get them to be mm. a little bit more um the thing that like I make fun of academia for, you know, where I'm right. like, when it comes to <laughs> yeah. the conferences, I'm like, can you guys just chill out, you know? Yeah. But then when the students are too chill, I'm like, can you guys yeah. like kind of maybe uh, be a little bit more serious? You know? I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, you know, to be mm. chill, you have to be able to do the serious as well. So they've got to learn, right? Amen. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yes, yes, yes. That's that's like one of the first thing I learned as a freshman, like. A professor was like you need to know the rules in order to break them I was like, yeah exactly well okay. put. exactly like, all right i will remember this yeah. for a lifetime i think i like that yeah. phrase yeah 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 wait so what is this article that you read about the colonial um mental illness thing that is so interesting it was a book it was theodore um teddy Yu from Yonsei oh, university yeah 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 his book on mental illness in colonial korea oh my god that's fascinating yeah. But like you said, these questions really help, like prompting questions like mm -hmm. we did an essay. Um, I recently made them write a small paper comparing burning. I don't know if you saw burning oh, and um, peppermint candy. That's quite oh, old, right? Great. Film. So we talked about peppermint candy in, in class and then mm. burning. They had to watch it by itself. But yes. because then you give them some prompting questions and I think that helps. But, you know, it depends on the student. Some students are able to do it. They follow yes. the questions and some people aren't and you're just like, okay, yes. that's where the divide lies, right? Yes. You yes. can't get everyone. You can't get everybody. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like I right now, because I'm working on applications for like postdocs and like mm -hmm. teaching positions and whatnot, and like they ask for a teaching statement. I don't mm. know if you had to write this, but oh, so many times. Yeah, I, I feel like I've done so many applications. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Join the I know. club, come Grace. Join I'm the in club. It. I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it, and I'm just like. You know, one of those things I wrote is like, oh, part of um, part of like meeting students where they're at is like waiting for them is like kind of 
mm-hmm. you know, even even after the class is over, it's like hoping that they'll get it at some point later in life because right. they're not going to get it during the duration of the 10 weeks I'm with them. So right. kind of mm-hmm. being like, all right, it's not a loss. It's just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be it's a waiting period for mm-hmm. themselves and their lives. And I was like, okay, like I'm satisfied with that answer. I'll leave it there. I'm not sure how much mm-hmm. I believe in it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, no. Yeah. It's hard to, <laughs> right? Of course. It's so difficult. It's so hard. It's so hard. I know. It's like, why yeah. are you asking us to write this BS when it's like, yeah. But you know. the worst one is diversity statement. Oh Lord. I mean, you're, you're in California, so you must've seen a few already. Of course. Yeah. But for I'm me, I was right. like, that is the most stupid shit anyone has to waste their time on (laughs) no one is gonna write i'm against diversity right (laughs) i do not understand the point of this document and then sometimes they're like it has to be two pages i'm like you want two fucking pages or everyone's saying i support diversity in a b c d right i was like hiring me is diverse itself just hire me right yeah yeah it's like you, you you know good on you for hiring me i know but i I also agree. I don't know what the point of it is. Maybe, and this is just like my cynicism stepping in. Maybe the point of it is like if they want to hire a white person, right? Mm. Uh, and that white, they want to make sure that this white person is kosher, right? And they mm. have their diversity stuff in check in place. Like they're not writing crazy shit. Maybe that's what it what it's for. To so it's, double check, right? Yeah, it's mm. mostly to check mm-hmm. in with the whites more so than. The people but that who is so fall. annoying for everyone else. It is. It's like, like why you? Time. Yeah, why you? Maybe they should just be like, okay, if you are not a white, <laughs> if you are not <laughs> a cis man and hetero, <laughs> then you don't have to write this. I really think they should start that. Yeah, because it takes yeah. time. Writing each mm. of these fucking documents takes so much time. I have yeah. three. I have three applications that um are due in February, and I'm just like. Ugh, you know they're like really time ending. consuming they are they are yeah. but i i but good think... luck grace good luck thank you i'm really trying my best not to lose hope you know i'm getting the rejection slips in the in the inbox already like three came but in this already. is your first year of trying right it is my first year of trying absolutely oh shut the fuck up woman no i know no. i know just no <laughs> i know i should chill out but it's yeah like the last two rejection slips like i wasn't that impacted by it the first Mm -hmm. one i was just like god damn but like the last two i was just like all right you know um but i think also like with the pandemic and all and like the recession and all i think it's also tough because i mean it's really tough right yeah, yeah since you and i graduated around the same time like i graduated into an economic recession in the united states mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there were no jobs there were none in fact all eight years of my high school and college um schooling all i heard from every single adult around me was wow you're gonna have it tough once you graduate i was like <laughs> thanks because it was the bush administration you know and yeah that fucker was, you know, ruining everything for us. And I was just like, God damn, you know? Yeah. And it but did take me a long time. But that's the only reason I did a master's, to be honest, because I couldn't get a job. It was sure. so impossible in 2008, sure. you know, when we when I graduated. Um, it, was. it was. 2008. Yeah. Because UK's three years. And it yeah. was just impossible. Everyone did a master's. The worst. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, now I'm like, should I just like stay in school? Like, should I just like get an MFA or... <laughs> 
like you know you already have a book published an mba like you know yeah i'm like should i go to to law school maybe i should go to law school you know like i'm like sitting around you should go to law school thinking that nah and you should please make millions i would like (laughs) someone around me to please make millions so i know it happens to some good people in the world oh my god that is like no 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 the moment anybody makes a million dollars they just their heart turns black yeah. Oh, um, I, just... I would love for my heart to turn black. I would like that <laughs> chance, please. I want the chance to be able to know what it feels like, you know, so that I have a choice. At the moment, I am denied. <laughs> to not have empathy, to not care. What is it like? What yes. is it like, you know, yeah. to have so much money that you're just an <laughs> asshole? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But let me let's talk about something in the rain a little bit since we're here, you know. Um I just want to say I love that drama. I love this drama too so mm-hmm. much. What did you love about this show? Well, I I love all rom-coms, right? Like mm-hmm. this is how I got into film studies. I've always yeah. loved rom-coms and I love K-dramas, romances, but they're always so melodramatic, right? And sure. that's the fun of it and I love that too because I really love all aspects of screen Mm -hmm. um but this drama was so subtle in its kind of love and it was so down to earth and so nuanced and Mm -hmm. I think that was so refreshing in its own way in a very quiet way um that I I loved it and I also loved the soundtrack which I know so many people did too yeah um although they went a bit overboard and played it too many times too the many same times. songs too many yeah. times i think yeah. first few episodes i was like i like it and then i was like too much <laughs> enough <laughs> but yeah. i still it worked you know it did it did yeah i agree um i think the the writer director uh duo um i think kim Eun is the writer and Pansuk is the director and i think they're a good duo because they also mm-hmm. collaborated for one spring night which mm. have you seen yeah of course yeah uh, I felt like uh, something in the rain was better than yeah. Spring Night in a lot of ways, yeah. um, and there was some there was a, a, a sort of purity to something in the rain that one Spring Night sort of compromised on a little bit. Like I'm working in what on, sense? so I'm working on this piece right now. It's a it's a paper. It's about uh, I'm gonna write about my Mister and uh, once. Um, uh, something in the rain and perhaps one spring now i'm not sure yet but like for something in the rain i felt like it was very realist a very mm. realist drama mm-hmm. um like many static shots like static frames like just a single frame just like long shooting you know just like shooting for a long time long takes and um not a lot of like jump cuts and editing you know Mm -hmm. like not a lot of frames per minute that Mm -hmm. kind of feel you know just kind of letting the drama flow or letting Mm -hmm. the tension um take place but Mm -hmm. from a distance Mm -hmm. and i think that's the subtlety and quietness that you're pointing to it's like it's a realist drama it's like watching a theater piece almost and this could have just as easily, I think, become like a makjang drama. It could have if yeah. they made certain stylistic choices or aesthetic choices. But yeah. um, I think the director is a bit of a realist kind of mm-hmm. director. Like he's like the one 
K drama director whose sort of uh, t- like branding touch I can kind of mm-hmm. feel like his right, tour right. touch I could uh-huh. s- sense through the screen. Whereas like other K drama directors, I don't yeah. really pay attention to. I pay more attention to the drama writers, which yeah, makes yeah. more sense when it comes to television. Um, but with him, I'm like, okay, he's like he's about something. He's thinking, you know. What else has he done except those two? He did the Kim Hye drama with Yu Ai-in, the um, the one it's called like affair an affair or something like oh, that. I haven't seen that so one. So Yu Ai-in is a piano student. He's a virtuoso, and okay. Kim Hye is a is like a piano teacher, um, and she's okay. like the director of some kind of like uh, music hall or whatever, mm-hmm. and she's very wealthy, and they start having an affair, mm. and she's married. She's married to mm-hmm. somebody, and she's like part mm-hmm. of like the upper echelons of Korean mm-hmm. society, and he's mm-hmm. like very low class, like working class mm-hmm. boy, and they start having an affair. So, um, yeah, like I was like, oh, okay, so like this director is into like older women and younger men kind of <laughs> storylines, uh, but beyond just that, he's into like like sort of like a realist sort of aesthetic. Yeah. Um, with with an affair, it's it it's it's had that too. You could kind of feel that touch, but with mm-hmm. something in the rain, it was very like like oh like this is the one like this is the one that's mm-hmm. sort of like giving him that branding, I would say, or that imprint. But also, the acting was so spectacular. I mean, so good, so good. Everybody, I mean... everybody on that yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I every loved single it. person. Yeah, and then that's why they use the same. Pretty much the same ensemble cast for one spring yeah. night. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. like she's she's so and so or yeah. he's so and so. But yeah. it was too similar for me. I, it just, mm. I didn't know the storyline. I didn't know what I loved about something in the rain was that even the obnoxious characters were yes. were not. It's not like a backdrop. They were not made. They're obnoxious, but yeah. you could still kind of still see their perspective a little and yes. empathize somewhat, like with the mother and the exactly. father. Um, but with One Spring Night, I just didn't feel enough from each character. I was just a bit like, okay, the main characters, they it didn't develop enough for me. It seemed mm-hmm. more or less the same from the start. Whereas mm-hmm. with Something in the Rain, you saw, you were with them, right? Throughout. And you see their development. Yes. And you, you follow. A hundred percent. I totally agree. Yeah. And I think Son Yejin is just such an accomplished actress. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we've seen her, like, our entire lives. Like, she's been in show business for, like, 20 years, and she's still in her fucking 30s. It's remarkable. But uh, And she is so good at every role she takes. Every single... I have not seen her in a single film or TV show where she sucked, ever. Like, since the beginning of her acting career, you know? Um, And she's just, like, a natural-born talent and so beautiful. So beautiful. And Chung Hee so poised. Was mm. So poised, yes. She's yeah. like really got full control, like when like full mm. presence, command control. Um, and she's got like I don't know, like I'm sure you've seen Crash Landing on You, but like she's also so funny. Like she has a great yeah, sense I of love humor. Crash Landing on You. Oh, what a great show! <laughs> I had I mean. parts of your podcast as well. I didn't yeah. get to finish it, but I loved oh, it. Yeah, such a great show. But yeah, yeah. Um, even in that, like amazing comedic timing yeah. and. You know, all of that. I was just like, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, I'm not an actor, so I don't know. Yeah. But I always get the impression that if you act with someone like her, it, she almost kind of brings it out naturally in you. Whoever she works with, she makes it just work, right? The chemistry. Yeah. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Yeah, yes. Because Tony's role why... was good, but it was kind yeah. of easier than her role, right? <laughs> it was. I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. and like you know, like Chung Hyeon, he's. I mean, he's very, very adorable, kind of looking guy. Very handsome. It looks like a very like a nice boy, right? Yeah. Like, um, you you know, you grew up watching K dramas, like you know. In the '90s and 2000s, so you of course know Yushi One, right? And like, uh-huh. he has that nice boy face, right? And I feel yeah, like Chung Hee kind of has that nice. But Chung Hee boy... nicer looking. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's tainted because Yushi One has all that scandal associated with like domestic right, abuse right. and whatnot now, right? But in the '90s, when he was, mm. he always played the nice boy, like the nice protagonist. Right. right. Mm-hmm. That he never played the villain ever. So. Right. Uh, I was just like, yeah, Jung Hyun has got that nice boy kind of look. Yeah, um, I hope he doesn't. Turn but I really welcomed track. that because I feel like yeah. we haven't had that enough. Mm. So in K drama, we've been so obsessed with that, like cold. What's the phrase? Cold city. How, how do they say it in English? I don't know. Tushinam. What do they but say? But like just a jerk, yeah, the, jerk off the boy. Jerk. Yeah, the jerk. the jerk. Exactly. We've had so many like. These men who are jerks, playing the protagonist of a love story, yeah. um, and they're kind of like that kind of toxic masculinity is promoted, and the women kind of throw themselves <laughs> at them, are humiliated over and over again, episode after episode, yeah. and yet you know the show is a success, and I think. <laughs> This show showed us that we can have a nice, decent guy who, yes, stays too nice and decent throughout. So that was a bit boring, but still, it works, you know, and that was so welcome for me. It was. And it's like, okay, he's reliable, you know, like he's Mm -hmm. steadfast, nice and true, and he's reliable. And it's like that, that should be stability, not some wishy-washy, capricious asshole who like yells at you. Yeah, generation boy. Who's screaming at you all the time, making fun of you. Or like lies to you, stands you up. I'm like, what kind of woman with no dignity just stands? But what a human being, like gender aside, right? Like someone treats you like that and you're like, oh, I still love him. It's like something's wrong with you. you Abused people do that. Yes, abused people do that. And of course, they all have the abusive parent or lack thereof. You know, right. Um, that's like another <laughs> always in K drama. Yes. yes, it's like they're always orphans, and I'm just like, what yeah. is that about? You know, that's like a yeah. big theoretical question that I want to answer with the the second um, monograph I work on, because like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sort of like making an outline now, and I'm like, I want to answer that orphan question. You know, like orphans and refugees are a big part of Korean history. And we see an orphan in literally every single Korean drama. Like, name a Korean drama, there's going to be a fucking orphan in there. And it's like, to their detriment, always. You know? Yeah. Like, I've never seen an orphan who's like, eh, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never yeah. seen one like that. Or like, socially successful without any insecurities. They yes. always have some baggage that yes. comes out. In it. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, oh, is this some kind of... Like, I, while I understand it's good for storytelling and, like, you know, building conflict and whatnot, uh, but it's also, like, I mean, Korea has this history, you know, yeah. of, like, many refugees, many orphans. And to this day, there are a lot of orphans that are being shipped out of Korea, uh, even though Korea is, like, you know, top 20 economy in the world. Like, what's what's going on? Um, yeah, so I, I kind of want to answer that question. It's like, what's oh, going on with the orphans, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's this blood type 
patrilineage, isn't it? <laughs> that Persistent. too. That too, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, with the orphans, something I always think is, um, is the Korean Americans or like diasporic Koreans are mm-hmm. depicted somewhat similarly, I always find. Mm, but this kind so. of that otherness, I yeah. don't know, I always think of that as related. Um, huh. When you, because you were talking about like the um, international adoptees, right? Yes. Um, alluding to that in the eighties, yeah. um, when you see them coming out in cinema or like films about them or TV shows about them, it's always that othering distance, and I think that still continues on to the kind of kyopo, um mm. who come back to Korea as well. At least that's my opinion. For sure, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah, and and the way that um, Korean dramas will often depict like anybody who's non-Korean, right? It's like even though even though they're like American, you know, native English speakers, like they speak English as if it's their first time speaking ever, you know, like <laughs> on television. It's like, do you not know how to speak? Like, you know, what right. kind of actors? Where'd you find these actors? You know, right? And, and that's a problem you're gonna have in almost every single like movie or television where you have like you know these international kinds of uh, collaborations. But yeah, I feel like in Korean dramas, like it, they need to work on that a little bit. Not to say that mm-hmm. Hollywood doesn't make the same mistake Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've seen black panther right yeah remember that scene when they're in busan and they're having a quick chat with the koreans i'm like they're not korean (laughs) like i could not understand anything not a thing not a thing it was really tough (laughs) i was like i could understand lupita nyong'o way better than than this quote-unquote ajima right now like i have no idea what's going on with her so that i don't know what happened because that was filmed in korea right yes it was filmed in busan i'm like you have like like probably like a million actors in korea right now right exactly so i don't don't know what happened there yeah (laughs) it's because they don't try they don't try they don't try and you know engage locally you know maybe because right. they're, like, oh, they're afraid of pay payouts you know like oh this is right. just like two lines and they don't want to pay somebody like a oh, million dollars for this scene or whatever but i'm like but if it makes it good you know why pay not me a million and i'll do it the two lines <laughs> <laughs> and let your heart turn black yes all yes. of it let it happen proudly. proudly wait so can i ask you about um your dissertation book um like where where are you at that? Uh, what stage are you at with that? Process? Oh no, not not no? a good topic. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, well, because I think I made. I think in hindsight, actually, I don't think enough time has passed for it to really say in hindsight. Sure. Um, but I actively made the decision not to welcome my monograph fully until I find a tenure track or a permanent position, ah. because I was told that if you have the because you know the process is quite fast. So once you get the once you find the publisher you like normally mm-hmm. i've been told they give you like 12 months um to get the oh, manuscript wow. in and then within 12 months it then within the next like half a year to a year it's out so within a two-year process the book is out and i wasn't really sure because my position at tubingham was three years to begin with i wasn't sure whether i would be in a permanent position then and so mm. many people said if you're on tenure track and your book is out before or already signed before you start the position then that doesn't count towards your tenure so then you'll have to write another book so i kind of actively decided to not work on that until i find a permanent position 
little oh. did I know it would, I'm still looking and it has been two years, almost three years now. So mm. in hindsight, perhaps I should have gone ahead with it, not yeah. knowing that this would be the case. Yeah. Um, so I kind of made a few chapters into journal articles mm-hmm. and then I just started working on new journals because I just thought you need the journals for publication, you need the publication list, right, for the jobs. Of course. So I kind of prioritized that over book. And then this year now, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. It's been too long. I have to get back to the book. So actually, one of my New Year's resolutions for 2021 was to get back and get that manuscript going and contact publishers. Um, But yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great Um, because I'm kind of, you know, you know, uh, like thinking about these things, like, uh, I, it's like overwhelming just thinking about um, yeah. going, to, you know, back in and then making massive revisions and trying to make them book worthy. You know, it's mm. just like the thought but of it. But you're doing it now. Overwhelming. No, right now I'm still. Yeah. Um, I just got my comments back from my committee members. Like, yeah. Just uh, like a week or two ago. So yeah. now, um, yeah, and I just had my meeting with my advisor to talk about those comments mm. and my plan and whatnot. And uh, like he told me, but like, you know, Grace, mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, no, no, it's okay. Story. He just told me that it took him like ten years to, yeah, make it a book. And I was like, shit. <laughs> I think a lot of people say six years, right? That's what I Ugh. hear often. I was like, um, but actually, yeah. the six years I think is since finishing the PhD. I've realized and actually now it's been two over two years for me since I finished my PhD almost three and I've done nothing I think more or less right but Uh that has really been useful I think maybe three years too much two years I think you need at least a year and a half that space Mm -hmm. away and then you see other publications that you didn't see and for me I did so much teaching in that time that I got so much historical grounding that I didn't realize I didn't have right I uh-huh. thought I had enough during my PhD right. and then you take a break you do you teach the most random shit right that does not yes. link to your topic but they yes. become secondary sources that help frame your argument in a way or whatever yes. and then there are more publications that come out and I think that distance has been really useful for me to think okay this structure has to change like this right for uh-huh. a book and then you read more monographs in a different way during that time as well because sure oh, I mean, I did. So that was really useful. So okay, I think some space is good. Probably uh, that's helpful for me to hear. Thank you. No, I yeah, that's really useful. Because I was just like, man, like, wait. So like, I, once I file and submit, I have to contact publishers. I was just like, whoa, right. like that just seems so intense like it seems too much yeah i think some people do though so actually at the end Mm -hmm. of my phd i got contacted by two publishers just from conferences Mm -hmm. um who were interested and i'm really glad i didn't go ahead with them because if i had i think the book would have come out more or less the same as the phd standard um Mm. and then i would be really ashamed for the rest of my career right (laughs) because now you realize oh that was a piece of crap and you know (laughs) i don't want that to be associated with my name yeah (laughs) oh i'm so embarrassed and all this yeah i i had a um, a professor tell me that she was just like you know if anybody like approaches you like immediately and you're like a young scholar you know early on in your career and they just like approach you and they want to publish you immediately like blindly just be wary of them you know she's just like because they're more in need of you yeah Yeah. they're more in need of you than you are of them yes yes and she was just like yeah she's like you know just don't be insecure like set up some standards for yourself and Mm. you know just know that like what you have is valuable it's a valuable contribution. I was like, oh, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you. 
She's basically saying, be a snob. <laughs> yeah. But that is how, that is the attitude of academia. Snobbish. Yes, be a chooser even though you're a beggar. Yes. Yes, if that is the also key part that I do not enjoy, but yes. At all times. And I know, right? It's so idiotic. Like, oh, fucking. And we have such pe- piss poor pay. I'm yes. Like, mm. And yet, it's like, oh, we're prof- like professors. And so, like, you know, you would think, like, oh, elegant lifestyle like sophistication and blah 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 it's like we can't afford any of that crap it's yeah, like, yeah. but like can't... should i have dinner or spend that money on a bottle of wine <laughs> that's the reality oh my god it's so sad yeah. i can't stand the fact that it's like that over there too because in the states it's very much the case like but europe um, is much worse in terms of pay than the u.s no are you serious i thought the in... u.s has a higher salary for professors are you kidding? I I didn't I didn't know that. I don't think that's true. I I thought for oh, some maybe. reason maybe this is like my ignorance, American ignorance. Like I was just thinking like oh like Europeans um, value intellectuals more than Americans do. They value artists more than we do. So I thought right, they would but be compensated. In America, when you're valued, they compensate with money. In Europe, when they value you, they just value you. <laughs> they do not compensate. <laughs> I mean, it's true. They may value you know, intellectuals, but they're not necessarily going to pay you more. That's funny. Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in America, it's all about money. It's all about yeah, money. Yeah, if you're money valued, talks. you get paid, right? Yes, and we're we're trained that way too. Like, unfortunately, not until much later on in life. You know, like I only learned like practically in my thirties, like you know, to value myself in that way. You know, because. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I did a lot of fucking free labor, free work um, with the creative stuff and intellectual stuff that, you know, I should have been compensated for. But yeah, now I'm like, no, like money talks, mm. like, t- t- like, what's the contract? Give me a deal mm. memo. What's the pay mm. going to be? I want to start out with that conversation first. Yeah. And then we'll continue because otherwise it'll be a waste of everybody's yeah. time. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, this is a good way to wrap up. I know your your article on... uh. What was it? It was like generic hybridity, right? With fantasy yeah. mermaids and like aliens and whatnot. Um, I thought it was a great article. That's going to be in an edited anthology coming out this year, right? Yeah. So that I was actually saving that for a journal if possible, because for us, journals matter so much for sure. job applications. Yes. Um, but I got, con- well, it was through someone I knew, someone recommended me to these editors mm-hmm. who were making this book, compiling mm-hmm. this book on kind of romance stories. And they wanted to include some something from Korean, Korea related culture. Mm-hmm. And one of the editors was this um, scholar that I had read a lot as an undergrad on rom-coms that I mm-hmm. enjoyed, like Hollywood rom-coms. Yeah. And so that kind of childlike part of me was like, I want to be in this book with this editor yeah. who I've you know read before and it won't count for as much as journals, but I'm still going to do it. So yeah. I went ahead and actually it was such a great decision because they allocated a different editor for each um, article and I got to work with a different editor, mm-hmm. um, but it was such a great process and I learned a lot about how to edit well, just through seeing how she edited my work and the mm. back and forth kind of communication. And I think with journal peer review, you don't get that kind of one-to-one yeah. help with your work so yeah. that was really useful um but that book is coming out in june i believe but that's I mean, exciting we finished the manuscript like quite a while ago so i think it's just the publishers are taking a while yeah that's that's how it is with academic publishers but um, yeah. what's the title of this anthology we in an age of i 
Oh, and nice. then romance bonding in a blah blah blah. Yeah, something that's longer. exciting. I'm I'm really yeah. excited for that. And so that's gonna yeah. be like um, just like romantic comedy like across all like media, or is it TV specific? No, I only look at five K dramas that feature um, kind of I call it otherworldly beings, so people who are not humans, non-human characters as love interests. So like mermaids, um, aliens, whatever, within very famous big budget rom Korean K drama rom coms. Sure, um, sure. And then I look at these five dramas and I look at the pat patterns and trends they have within and link it to kind of social phenomenons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, I meant like the anthology itself, but oh, anthology is <laughs> yeah. like really beyond just screen. I mean, ah. some of it's kind of looking at internet, um, like blogs, I think, oh, and wow. like internet culture. So it's not just visual culture; um, okay. it's just culture in general. Um, and I think oh, it's wild. quite global too. So okay. I haven't read all the articles. I've just seen the contents list, obviously. Um, but mm. I look forward to the book being released so that I can see the articles too. So that's exciting. It sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I really, I quite liked your article. I thought it was um, a, a great one. And like, you know, when I reteach the K-drama class, I'd like to incorporate it because, um, yeah, this whole like fantasy stuff and like these, you know, it's like Koreans are so... Um, hell-bent on like ethnic national like ethno-nationalism right. and all yeah. of that and then it's like okay well how do we like how do we mix it up and so oh look, right a mermaid an alien right <laughs> but you know with the mermaid i love the way they try to base it in history but like <laughs> in like original primary text from whatever century koreans yes. had mermaids yes <laughs> you know? yes and they're like this is the historical basis for this drama <laughs> yeah yeah like i love that yeah even um i mean this is relevant too like my in the last episode i talk about um zo like kingdom and zombies mm -hmm. in a period piece like w have you seen kingdom of course <laughs> yeah like that is wild too it's like okay it's chosen dynasty uh there are zombies <laughs> but what i loved about kingdom um was I mean, it was good, but I didn't think yeah. it was spectacular, right? Uh -huh. um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't yeah. like, you know. But I loved how the hats went viral on Twitter. Did you see that? The what? Like West hats. Hats. Their hat hats? design. Yeah. Uh, like so the all these white stuff, people the watching stuff? Kingdom uh. were like, check out the crazy hats in Korean culture. <laughs> like Kingdom. <laughs> and they're like, the photos of different kinds of hats in the show went like crazy <laughs> on Twitter. And I was like... I had never thought twice about the hats in this drama. And then the white people choose something that is completely, you know, with a fresh eye. It was yes. so funny. Yes. You should look it up. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I love that. Well, I mean, their fashion is amazing. Like, whenever I watch, um, like, Korean period pieces, I'm just like, I adore their clothes. Yeah. Um, it's really beautified, right? Yeah. They are. They are so beautiful. And, like, they look so comfy. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. they're, like... <laughs> loose and airy i'm like i want to dress like that all the time like when i was when i was watching uh itaewon class i was obsessed with the uh that the patriarch's clothes Tande's clothes. his clothes were amazing i was That's like so i want to dress that way like i want to dress like that, that man so all funny. the time yeah it looked so, so elegant funny. It looks so elegant and clean and sharp and sophisticated, but kind of traditional in a way. Uh huh. And comfortable. It looks well, really. Well, they they did 
their job, didn't they? They convinced you. The I words you was just like, used to describe it exactly what they wanted. Yeah, I was like, I want that outfit for myself, you know, just to wear and walk around. So it, funny. You know? um, That's so funny because when I saw that show, I'm like, I watched it with my sister. My sister was yeah. like, I want to read his autobiography. <laughs> I can learn so much from it. And I was like, you know, he's the villain in this drama. But She's he like, I was don't care. So, he was so fascinating. That character was oh. really interesting was he not and great he acting so right oh my god he's he that guy's an amazing actor like yeah. he was in reply 1988 as yeah, the goofy i was just about to say guy. that yes i like, was just very, about to say that yeah very different very mm. like you know something of the rain has so much um in there yes yeah yes. and you know yeah, yeah, not just in terms of her work storyline of, you know, the sexual harassment, but really in the kind of agency within a love story as well. I think the yes. family duties of a female, there's so much there yes. um, that we can kind of, I would love to read about, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you got it. Yeah, I was just, Great. I was just like, yeah, I'll, this is... Um... This is something this is something else. It's like very unique. It stands mm-hmm. out very unique. There isn't um yeah. you don't have a cheba in something in the rain, you know? Yeah. It, you just have the idea of it, which is yeah. the mother's obsession. And yeah. She's haranguing yeah. everybody around her. Which is the reality. It's always the yeah. idea, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's... actually my mother saw that show yeah. and she was like, I've learned really to appreciate the youth. And she said, I'm going to be more respectful of your, like, relationships. And I was like, wow. This You're has... like, I'm married. What are you talking about? Well, about like... my sister. About my sister, right? Ah, she was Because my sister's right. not. She was like, I understand that it's really hard. This show was really eye-opening for me. I'm going to try nice. to be more respectful. It was really interesting. And I thought, the That's drama fascinating. did well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. That could lead to a whole, like, audience studies work on, like, yeah korean mothers and you know shifting values you know right but it's also a lot of mothers i think would not have stuck by and seen it right like my dad gave uh, up after one episode was like i'm not watching this shit and uh, i think that's very typical because they watch tv together mm-hmm. uh, but my mom was like i need to learn about young people's relationships <laughs> through this drama because my daughter is unmarried how difficult is it to date these days etc and I, that is a really great eye-opening moment because it is really hard to date because there are yeah. most men are shit you know like most yeah. men are shit like i met your husband he seems like a stand-up guy really good guy you know caretaker <laughs> seems really sweet uh but man like there are some horrible horrible beastly men out yeah. there and, and also just dating itself is hard it's a nightmare. you know yeah and i think parents just I don't know. It was really interesting hearing that response from my mother. That is interesting. Yeah, that age group do not often watch these dramas, right? They don't. Yeah. It's actually very refreshing. Yeah, I, <laughs> somewhat. Yeah, I feel refreshed just hearing hearing that. Like that's your mother's <laughs> response. Oh, these, and I like I don't know. Maybe I should edit this out. But like these books on Korean television are so supremely boring. <laughs> I, I want to just rip my eyeballs out of my sockets when I'm reading them because I'm just like this is so tearfully boring like why are you taking such a fun thing and then making it the most boring thing ever 
Um, it's also so limited. This is my problem with it. I go through the mm. contents and I'm like, really? It's like the same topics repeated. And there are yes. so many good things at the moment that are not being addressed. Oh, and I, I don't know. know whether it's because these scholars do not watch these shows or <laughs> are they unaware of the trends or whether the publication is so late yeah. that, you know, they're being written on and are not yet published. I can't tell yeah. what, you know, what is the problem here, but... It might be yeah. both, and it and it also might be true that you and I watch too much TV. It's just yeah. that just might be the case, you know. We, we have better tastes, maybe in television, you know. It's like, why are you writing about this bullshit when you could have been watching this, you know? But Grace, I really have a generic taste. I like I'm so boring in what I like. I like something that everyone else likes. You know, what I like yeah. is always, you know, something that everyone else likes. It's very like generic. It's nothing yeah. that new. So yeah, I don't understand what's i think it's the approaches you know um Mm. because you know i think being a koreanist is different than being like you have cinema media studies training i have cinema media studies training like we're trained to look at things from beyond just one thing you know like you're looking at like genre hybridity you know um like i want to look at like genre as well but like realism like what is realism Mm -hmm. in the context of feminism in in working like like white collar spaces in Korea, like right. very specific kind of thing. It's like we could be this specific and home in on this one thing and then talk about it for 25 pages. It's possible. Right. Whereas, you know, maybe some Koreanists just feel like, oh, we got to talk about broad, big stroke stuff. And I'm like, do you have any idea how effing boring that is? You know, whenever they're like transnational flow, I'm like, put a gun to my head right now. <laughs> Right now, end my life. This is so boring. I want to die. I don't care that you sold this shit to China. I don't care. I don't care. You know? Um, The one article that I found very, very interesting in that, uh, the it was that K-drama anthology, the one that, you know, we both said, like, there weren't a lot of... Oh, the the something Rise of K-drama or something, right? Yes, that one. Yes. Yes. uh, Minju Lee, she she was a student at UCLA in gender studies, and uh, she and I used to do like a writing group thing when we were both okay. writing our dissertation, and that was very helpful. Uh, she wrote this very very fascinating like ethnographic piece where she studies Korean masculinity as like this attractive masculinity, and she went and stayed at hostels all around Korea, like in Seoul, I mean, where um, like non-Korean, like Americans, you know, like American girls, American young women would travel to Seoul in order to essentially sleep with Korean men. Because I know, I know. How juicy. How juicy is that? I know. I've never heard of this. Also, dedication. I know. I know the commitment that these that, is, that wow. these that these women have. I'll send you the kudos the article. to them. Yeah, yeah. Go and no, get yours. I like but... the book. I ordered it. Oh, okay, okay. I just yeah, haven't yeah. read many of the articles. Yeah, I'll that's that the up. one article I would say out of that um, anthology mm-hmm. that's worth. How's the ghost story one? That's the one I've been meaning to read. Oh yeah, yeah. I need to one? check out the ghost story one because I'm gonna yeah. teach one on ghosts and zombies. But she, she, um, yeah, like interviewed these young women, and they wow. were basically it's an idea. Again, it's an idea. It's a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like it's an mm-hmm. it's an imagined romance, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Well, that's I feel interesting. Like, I feel like Minji should have taken it a little bit further. So she's basically saying like they these women have this Orientalist um, objectification of these Korean men mm-hmm. because of what they've seen in Korean dramas, which is, of course, this is t- it's a TV show. Like Korean men mm-hmm. are mostly not like that. <laughs> yeah, like Tong Ain is not walking around, you know, single. <laughs> He's not a lover soul. Come on, you're not gonna find a QC yeah. on everywhere you turn. Yeah. Come on, ladies. But they objectify these men, and the men in turn, of course, objectify non-Korean mm-hmm. women's bodies and fetishize them. And so it's like almost a match made in heaven, except it's like very much uh, not seeing each other for who they are. But in a way, that's what they want, right? I mean, so, well, no, the girls want actual authentic romance. That's what they, they want, want. They want more. It's not just a, oh. they're not here just for a fling like, or a one night stand. There is this like one segment and I don't know if it's in that, because um, I was reading Minju's dissertation when we were uh, in that writing group, but this one story that just like broke my heart. So there was this young girl, she's like a co- like recent college grad or she's in college doing a study abroad for a summer. She's in Seoul. She meets a Korean guy. They start dating. She doesn't want to have sex with him. He keeps pressuring her to have sex. And she, in her mind, she keeps rationalizing. In, in okay. the interviews, she keeps rationalizing mm-hmm. him as still this mm-hmm. ideal, gen- like gentle, genteel man. And he's not. He's obviously a piece of shit, right? Mm-hmm. But like, even to the end, she continues to rationalize. So it's like it's like this hell bent fantasy, this um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this imagination that she doesn't want to let go. I was think I when I first heard you describe it, I thought it was going to be the opposite, where these women women just want a one night stand you with the Korean. You know, they go, they yeah. they don't care if it's not real. They just want it, and then they're out, right? Like but, a like a mm-hmm. sex tourism kind of thing, but it's more yeah, than that. There's affect associated mm-hmm. with it. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that's where injury takes place, so to speak. Mm. So it's mm. like it's really interesting because it's like an imagined othering that goes both mm-hmm. ways, except one on the one end from the female side, there are greater expectations. Mm. And uh, I was just thinking like Minju, Minju should have taken this even further and just said, mm-hmm. all of these girls are lesbians because those, <laughs> <laughs> those Korean dramas were written by women. And hello, you're just like, this is a, a woman's fantasy that you're striving for. <laughs> you guys are dykes. Y'all yeah. are lesbians. It really, is, it really is a female fantasy, though. Yes. Yeah. It's a queering. This is a queering moment. So I'm like, Minja, you should have taken it there. Like, take that would have been like, yes, get weird. Take that to the, the Korean Street Cultures Conference. One step too far. <laughs> exactly. Be an American. I love it. I Be love a it. patriot. Be yes. Take it all the way, you know? I love it. Because I was just kicking yeah. back and I was like, these girls want a Korean man, but they don't want a Korean man. They want a Korean yeah. man imagined by a Korean woman. All yeah. of these yeah. men were constructed by Korean women's minds. So y'all are lesbians. Embrace it, you queer, <laughs> queer young dykes. Go to Korea and like just put a wig on these guys because they're, you know, what you want is an imagined, you know. Yeah, like, like a, a female fantasy. So... Um, that's where she should have taken it, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, very good. I like it. I like it. Refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah, let's refresh. Let's always refresh. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's great having you. Yeah. So we'll be in touch. Well, I'll be in touch for sure. Yeah.
For next week, I'm going to talk about Itaewon class, which pretty much everybody's seen during the pandemic. Uh, I remember going on TikTok and just seeing that like literally every single person was watching Itaewon class. Um, so yeah, I'll be talking about that show. And uh, folks, if you haven't already, please subscribe on YouTube to K-Drama School. Please follow K-Drama School on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Email me if you have questions, right? So far, like literally nobody's emailed me. The only people who email me are like, I don't know, like this site called Popcorn. They keep telling me to like do sponsorships and I'm like, no, it just doesn't sound like it's worth it. Dude, if you want to sponsor the show, you can, right? If there's something you want to sell, I will, I will do it. I hate this whole commercial, commercialized capitalist society that we live in, but I will do it. Okay, if you want to sponsor the show, I will fucking eat it up. If you want to sell used panties, I will I will sell them. I will sell the shit out of them. Okay, just fucking email me. (laughs) Reach out. Okay, so that is all for now. And I will see you all 